this evening, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, and this is a familiar story to, to most of us. It's the story, of course, of that sad time period in David's life where he had fallen into sin. He had chosen to go into a sinful condition, and not only did he choose to sin, he chose to try to cover his sin, and it didn't work out well for him. And so as the Lord often does, he sends someone David's way in order to give a message to him. Second Samuel chapter number 12, uh, you can remain seated as we just read one verse. We'll read one verse of this passage, we'll pray and ask God for his blessing and get into the message. Let's, pr- let's read verse number 7 and then we'll pray. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. He goes on to say several other things that he had done for David, but pretty much this verse is tied to the last verse of chapter number 11 and verse 27, where at the end of the verse the Bible says, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. So God sent a messenger to him, and he said, you're the man. And so this message is entitled, When God Said, Thou Art the Man. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask you, Lord, to bless the preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would calm all of our minds and our hearts. May we not be focused on the clock. May we not be focused on what we're doing after church. May we focus all of our attention on your word and what you're trying to speak to our hearts. We pray this and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I was on my way back from Mexico. I was listening to a sermon uh, by a preacher of yesteryear. Often I will look up older preachers and uh, men who've gone on to be with the Lord, and I'll listen to a sermon. And so while I was on the airplane, I was listening to this sermon by a man who's gone on to be with the Lord named uh, Brother Al Lacey. And he was preaching a message called, Remember Lot's Wife. And you remember when Lot's wife turned around and turned back and looked at Sodom, uh, she became a pillar of salt and she died right there. And he said one time he was in a in a in a sermon and he was in a in a he was listening to a man preach and he said he was so bored and he was he was just so bored that he he turned all the way around and he looked at the clock that was on the back wall of the church and right above the clock it said remember Lot's wife. He said and immediately I turned back around and didn't want to look at the clock again. But I hope this. This sermon is not like that for you. I hope that you, uh, you're able to pay attention and hear the words of the Lord. You know, David had many heroic and glorious moments in his life, but this time period in his life was definitely not one of them. It wasn't a glorious thing for him to commit adultery and then murder. The Bible says in verse 27 of chapter 11 that God was displeased. There's a few reasons that I believe God was displeased. Number one, because David went through a season of life when he failed to remember the blessings of God. And I think some of us, sometimes we fail to remember the blessings of God. You know, God has poured out blessings on us, and God blesses people in different ways. I I will admit that today I'm a man that's so blessed. I used to go to the jails every week on Sunday afternoons, and I would preach to a people, and I'd say, how many of you know who your dad is? Very few men would ever raise their hands when I met them in jail. Very few men knew who their dad was, or even had a personal relationship with him. Same thing with the ladies. 
the lady service would come in, and I would ask the same question, uh, and then, or sometimes I would ask the question, how many of you are raised with a mother and a father in the, in the home? Very few would ever raise their hands. I had that blessing in my life. I, I just want to give thanks to God for that. I had a mother and a father. I had a, I had a dad who stood for truth. I had a dad who took me to church, and he cleaned up his act. When he had children, he didn't use curse words. He didn't do things that would set a bad example before us. He, he took his job at being a father serious, and I thank the Lord for that. But sometimes we need to remember that the blessings of God are all about us, and we, we need not forget that God has really blessed us. And that might help you to stay out of sin. David went through this season that he forgot the blessings of God and he began to just try to please himself and gratify himself. David forgot how the Lord found him. God found David as a lowly shepherd boy, as somebody who wasn't thought of highly in his family when the chief, the chief prophet Samuel was coming to town and told Jesse to prepare his family. Jesse didn't even call David to the table because he didn't think David would amount to anything. But as the songwriter said, when, when others see a shepherd boy, God might see a king and God took David from his being a shepherd and he put him as the, in charge of the nation of Israel and would even call Jesus the son of David he forgot the great victory that God had wrought through Goliath he forgot the protection that God provided him when he was on the run from Saul and so God sends this man Nathan as God often does God often sends men to you to speak to you and sometimes to preach to you. You know, sometimes people can absent themselves from the house of God. I've met a great many people who say, well, I don't want to come down there and listen to that man preach. <laughs> He's just yelling at me. <laughs> no, friend, I'm just preaching the word of God. Sometimes when you feel conviction in the house of God, you don't need to think that the pastor knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. Some people just need to hold up the red flag and say, guilty, I, I, I'm wrong. I, God's speaking to me. I, I don't know when the last time God spoke to you in your heart in church, but I hope it's not very often that you come to church and you don't sense the presence of God knocking. You know, I'll tell you what, if we come to the Lord's house and we always leave unchanged, we, we leave the exact same way as we came. That's not a good thing. But I'll tell you, when God begins to convict in our hearts and we start seeing, hey, we need to get some things right with God. God's not pleased with something we're doing. And God sent this messenger to David. His name was Nathan. And Nathan told David this story. He basically said, King, there's, there's something that's going on in the, in the land, and you need to be made aware of it. And David said, what's going on? And he said, well, there's this rich guy, and he's got more, more lambs. He's got herds. He's got more than the heart could wish. But he had a neighbor. And his neighbor had one little ewe lamb, and that lamb he raised as a house pet. How many of you have a house pet? How many of you, okay, if you have several house pets, raise your hand. I want to say this, I feel sorry for everybody who raised their hand, and that means I feel sorry for myself. I have dogs and these things that we call cats. And it wasn't even my decision to bring them home, but I have them because I love my family. But all I could tell you is some of these house pets, they're dear to our family. You know, I got this little dog, and every time I see this little dog, he, he loves to see me. Now, he is a worthless dog. He doesn't do anything good. He, he begs for cheese. His mother, well, his, well, we call her grandma, she's ruined him. And my daughter Grace has ruined him. His name is Charlie. And my, the whole time I'm gone, my family is sending me pictures of Charlie laying on my, laying on my chair where I sit. And uh, the dog knows how to open our doors in our house. And my wife was telling me how Charlie keeps going in my bedroom looking for me every day that I was going on this mission trip. And all I'm trying to do is identify with people who have a love for a house pet. 
This is, this is the story that Nathan was telling David. He said this one man had this little house pet, and instead of the rich man taking something out of his flocks and herds, he went to the, the man who only had this one little house pet, and he killed him. It would be like somebody killing my dog and feeding him to a minister. Now, now, you may not have ever thought you ate dog before, but I know some of you all eat Chinese food around here, so, I mean, you really don't know. I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be funny. That was supposed to be funny. Some of you, you guys are a tough crowd. That's all I could say. Sometimes my jokes feel, fall flat, you know. You're driving down the road, and you know, how come every time you go to a barbecue place, there's a, a picture of a pig with a chef's hat on? You know. Uh, if a Chinese restaurant had a billboard up, it would be a cat with a chef's head. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. I am kidding, people. But he told David the story, and, and David got very angry. He was angry. He said, the man that did this is going to die. I'm, I'm going to make sure that the man who took this house pet and killed it to feed to a, 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 a someone who came in for a meal, I'm going to make sure he dies, and that before he dies, he's going to restore to this man fourfold what he stole from him. And Nathan looked at him, and he pointed that finger at him, and he said, Thou art the man. David's sin had blinded him. What David had done was far worse than killing someone's house pet. The life of man is worth far more than that of a house pet. David had taken Uriah's life, and sin blinds you to your own shortcomings. It causes you to judge other people more harshly than what they should be judged based on your own blindness to your own sin. It turns you into a person that's a hypocrite. You can't, you can't rightfully judge, and David was definitely blind here. And now Nathan points out that it, was, that, that it was him who was the person who had stolen someone else's uh, possession. And basically what he was saying is, you stole another man's wife. You killed that man. And now because you've done this, the sword will never depart from your house. And I just want to say this. Sin may offer temporary pleasure. Sin may offer temporary happiness. But sin never brings fulfillment to your life. But God can work in your life and can help you to be restored after you sin. And in this story, you have a good example of somebody who responded correctly. Nathan said, the sword's never going to depart from your house. He said, there's going to be people dying in your house, and you're going to have trouble in your family for the rest of your life because of what you've done. I want to tell you this, sometimes when God's hand of protection is removed from you, you have no idea what can happen to your home, which should be a, something that we keep our hearts and lives right with the Lord for. Now just because we see children that may go rebellious does not mean that their parents were failures, it just means that the seed of Adam is very prevalent in today's day and age. Don't ever underestimate the seed of Adam in your children's lives. Children are sweet when they're growing up, especially if you teach them and train them when they're very small. But they do develop minds of their own, and they have to make decisions on their own to follow Christ when they're teenagers and older. And don't ever get yourself in a position where you begin to judge another family because one of their children fell short. You wouldn't want to be judged in that way. Samuel, the Bible says that the prophet Samuel, that God didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. He was a good prophet. Find me a hole in Samuel's life. You'll have a hard time doing it, but he had two sons that didn't love the Lord. Every time, you know, God wants you to control your family, that's for sure. You can look at Eli's life. Just talking to your kids is not enough when they're doing wrong. 
But I'll tell you this, there's a way that you can still honor the Lord, and sometimes your descendants don't walk in the Lord's steps. David's, you know, case in point, read his descendants and how they, they fared. Some of them did good, some of them didn't. The same thing will be true in any church life, in any home. You shouldn't judge people when they have issues with their family. But in David's time and in David's life, the sword was never going to leave his home. And God said, you're going to have trouble in your family for the rest of your days. And he did. But when God says, thou art the man, everybody has a choice. You have a choice. When God says, hey, I'm trying to get your attention here, you have a choice to respond to him. Let's say God says you're the man today, and he says you're lost. You've never believed on me for salvation. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have a choice to get saved or to remain lost. God's not going to force you to get saved. He doesn't make saved people robots either. You know, when I got saved, I still had some thoughts that I had that I shouldn't have. I suppose I'm the only one, me and Bob, me and Bob Rabick. We're the only ones that had a a thought go through our mind that we shouldn't after we were saved. God doesn't turn you into a robot when you get saved. And when you sin after you get saved, it doesn't mean you're lost. It means you got to restore your fellowship with the Lord. You still have a sin nature to contend with after salvation. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So everybody has a choice. Now what David does here. It's here, he starts, first of all, in verse number 13, and I promise you I will not preach very long today. So if you hang with me and say amen a couple times, you might find yourself getting to the food while it's hot. I knew that would get many people's attention. Verse number 13, and David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. All of us need to acknowledge sometimes when we sin against God. If you never did that in the matter of salvation, that's the first step of getting saved, is acknowledging that you're a sinner. Even after salvation, there are times when we struggle with sin, and when we sin against the Lord, our fellowship can be broken. Now, I want to make something clear by way of salvation before we get back to the story. I promise to preach quickly, so I won't run many rabbit trails. But I have found in my lifetime that there are a lot of people who do not understand the truth of justification. When you got saved, you were justified. The Bible said you were justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means just if you'd never sinned. So when I came to the Lord as a young man, by way of salvation, by way of my position, he forgave my sin, past, present, and future, and put me into his family. And he remembers my sins no more. He separates my sins as far as the east is from the west, and he buries them in the deepest part of the sea. If you're saved by the grace of God, God forgives you and makes you a child of God. Our salvation is not conditional upon our performance. Our salvation is, was, is based on the fact that Jesus performed on our behalf, and our faith is in Him and His righteousness. And when we trust in the Lord, we are justified. That means when we sin after we get saved, we don't lose our salvation. You can lose your joy, you can lose your fellowship with God, but you'll never become anything less than a child of God when you get saved. We, as, as Bible-believing Baptists, we believe once saved, always saved. You can't lose what God gave you freely for believing. And I also preach if saved, always saved, because there's plenty of people that have made a false profession and they've never been saved. They've got no signs that they've been saved. They don't have a love for God, a love for the things of God, a love for the Word of God, a love for the preaching of the Word of God. Listen, if this stuff didn't come with the birth, there could be a problem with your salvation experience. 
So there's a lot of people out there today and they couldn't care less about the church, couldn't care less about the Bible, couldn't care less about the Lord or worship or anything else the Bible says comes along with the birth, but they say they're going to be our neighbor in heaven. And I'm here to tell you, somebody could have sold you a bill of goods. And I'd rather know for sure that I'm saved. And all I can tell you is God gives assurance to His people. You can't run sheep off by preaching the truth. There's a whole generation of people today that say, I like to come to church, but I don't like all that preaching. I don't know about you, but it was preaching that put me under conviction. I got saved under preaching. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That means people who are lost don't value preaching. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18. Good preaching sometimes brings us to the point where we say, okay, I've sinned. Sometimes we would call it getting into somebody's pea patch. You know, somebody said, Pastor, you stepped on my toes this morning. It was good. We come to the Lord's house sometimes to be confronted, and God starts speaking to us about our habits and the things that we've done in our life. And the best thing that we can do is not to run from the Lord and not to get angry at God, but to acknowledge along with David, Lord, I've sinned. Verse number 16, we know that uh, the Bible talks about how the, the Lord allowed this child that was born to this adulterous union, He allowed it to get sick, and eventually the child died. In verse number 16, the Bible says, David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the earth. David was fasting and praying for this little baby. You ever had a problem in your family and you decided, I'm not going to eat a certain meal? You know, fasting is not dieting. Fasting's when you take a time off of food, and when you would be feeding your face, you're praying to God when you have a hunger pain. And you're taking the list of things that are on your heart to go to the Lord with it. David besought the Lord. David's habit of life throughout his life was turning to God in prayer during crisis situations and through his life. And all I could say is that David, when he was getting right with God, when God says, thou art the man, he began to, he acknowledged his sin and he began to pray again. Maybe you've gotten away from the Lord today. It's never too late to start praying again. You ought to get back to the Lord and start praying about things again. I believe in praying about everything. I pray with my family about jobs and employment. I pray for my children about future spouses and future decisions. I pray about things every day. When I come to church, I pray. When I come to the altar, I pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Our lives should be lifestyles of prayer. But boy, when we're away from God like David, it's so hard to pray. How long was Bathsheba pregnant? Probably a normal pregnancy, nine, ten months. And God, God didn't confront David for a long time after all these things took place. He was, the Bible says, he said in Psalm 32, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. David was suffering the effects of being away from God, and no doubt he wasn't having a very good prayer life during these months that he was away from God. But David went back to praying as he got right with God. David got dressed in verse number 20. You say, what does that mean? Verse 20, David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself. You ever met something? They get, somebody that got caught doing something wrong, they got exposed for doing something, they say, well, I'm not going to go to church no more. I'm not going to get dressed no more. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to be depressed. I'm in depression. You know what people who are depressed don't do? They don't wash their clothes. <laughs> they don't get up and do their responsibilities. You know, there's a way to battle depression without taking pills. It's called praising God and doing things God's way. And by the way, if the root of your depression is sin, treating it with pills isn't the answer. You know, you can, you can take the oil light when it goes off in your car and take a hammer and bash it out. It's not going to put any oil in your car, and your car won't run for long. There's a lot of people who are taking dope today and drugs and medications when they go through issues and what they need to do is say, what's at the root of this? 
So there are some people who are dealing with a lot of anxiety. You say, what, what's another word for anxiety? Does the Bible talk about anxiety? Yes, it does. Another word for anxiety is fear. The Bible has a lot to say about fear. The Bible says God doesn't give you the spirit of fear. If God doesn't give it, where did it come from? All I'm saying is that the root of your problem is sin. If you get back to the Lord and begin to do things right, you say, but, you know, I, I'm sad. I, I've ruined my life. Look at what I've done. I'll never amount to anything. That's the devil telling you that. David still had things to accomplish for the Lord, and he never would have accomplished them if he didn't get right with God. Put your clothes on. Get in the shower and wash up. And get down to the house of the Lord and worship. That's exactly what David did. He went down to the house of the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, after David changed his apparel in verse number 20, in the middle of the verse it said that he went to the house of the Lord and he worshiped. A man that committed adultery, a man that committed murder, a man that stopped praying, he stopped seeking after the Lord for a period of months. When he was confronted, he said, I'm going back to the Lord's house. I want to tell you something. When I was a teenager, I made some big mistakes when I was young. But I was thankful because I had parents that kept me around church. Even when I wasn't right with God, I came to church. Going to church doesn't solve all your problems, but it'll keep you connected to the people that can help you solve them when you get in trouble. Now I'm just here to tell you, even if you're not all that you should be for the Lord, you ought to be in church. You ought to be there as much as you can. I want to tell you something. This old world today, it's a wicked world. All the things that our people are looking at and seeing in this world, this world is falling apart. But I want to say this, everything's all right in my father's house. Everything's all right. So, you know, you need to get up. You need to worship the Lord. And the last thing I want to say is that David knew there was going to be consequences, and he accepted what happened to him. He accepted that he was going to have a consequence for his sin. And all I can tell you is this. There was a time in my life as a young man I made some mistakes, and I remember one time somebody delivered, they said, because you did what you did, this is the consequence. I could have never gotten right with God until I accepted what the consequence was for the wrongdoing and for the sin. If that comes to me, I have to accept it. I couldn't get right. Now, I want to focus for the last few minutes this morning. You say, it's 1210. How long are you going to go? I told you to say amen. You're not doing a good job. You, you just say amen when I said you're not doing a good job. Thank you, Don. That was good. I want to focus on what David didn't do when he was told, thou art the man. David didn't kill the messenger. You know that David had the authority to kill Nathan? Cut his head off. You remember when Ahab and Jezebel were rebuked? Remember when all their table mates died? The next day Jezebel said to the man of God, remember? By tomorrow around this time, your life's going to be like the ones of my table mates. Everybody doesn't handle the message well when God says thou art the man. Sometimes people get angry and they want to kill him. I hate that preacher. John the Baptist was the first Baptist preacher. You heard me say it. His name was John the Baptist. He wasn't John just the baptizer. He was named John the Baptist by the Lord. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. That's when the church started. Baptism was something given to the church. Jesus told the church this in Matthew 28, go ye into all the world, teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and buried in the likeness of His death is what we say and raised to walk in newness of life. This is the work of the Great Commission. It was given to the church. John the Baptist had something to say to a king when he was on the earth. This is what he said to him. You took your brother's wife and it wasn't right. He said it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. 
He had more authority than his brother did. He said, I like your wife. She's coming to me. And he was having immoral relationship with her. John the Baptist said, what you're doing, sir, is not lawful. Why did he lose his head? The first Baptist preacher, because he preached against adultery. You know that woman? She came in. She started dancing before all those leaders. She was shaken. She was seductively dancing. And the king at that time said, I like that so much. I'll give you up to half the kingdom. I could make you the richest woman in all this kingdom. She said, I want one thing. I want the head of that Baptist preacher on a platter. Which shows you, just because someone says thou art the man, doesn't mean that the recipient of that needs to take it or will take it. It's a choice to humble yourself and accept, God said I'm the man. Some of you today need to accept the fact that you're lost. And some of you need to get concerned about it. If you're not concerned that you're lost, I'm just here to tell you the Bible says the wrath of God abides upon your life. If you die before you get saved, do you know where you go if you reject the Lord? There's a lot of people sometimes when they're waiting for somebody to get saved, they're just, Lord, save this person, but it seems that that person is indifferent towards the fact that they're lost. If you die without Christ, there's no offer of repentance beyond the grave. Now is the accepted time. If you're not saved, you say, well, the Lord's not working on my heart. I'm not convicted about it. Well, why don't you come down to the altar and ask God to make you convicted about it? What's wrong with you? How come the Lord saved all these other people? You ever heard this past me not, O gentle Savior? What do you think that guy was talking about? While on others thou art calling, don't pass me by. Where's your attitude like, Lord, you saved the preacher. You saved these others. Why haven't you saved me? Some of you need to be concerned with your soul because you've never said, I've sinned against the Lord. You've never come to the Lord in faith. I want to tell you something. When you get under conviction of the Lord, you're going to get concerned about your eternal estate. He didn't get, he didn't kill the messenger. He didn't get angry at God. He wasn't angry at the Lord for the consequences or for sending that guy to expose what had happened in his life. I want to tell you something else David didn't do. He didn't wallow in self-pity. That's the, the difference of getting dressed and coming down to the Lord's house. A lot of people just start wallowing, selfie, well, I, I messed up, I failed. If I go down there, everybody's going to see what I did. You know, it's greatly humbling to David. It wasn't done in secret what he did. He allowed the enemies of God to blaspheme. When you sin and you blow it badly, it's a humbling thing to come walking into church. I'm here to worship the Lord. He didn't wallow in self-pity. He had the choice to do that, and I've seen many people do it. I've seen many people say, well, I messed up. I'll never try that again. I just made a, I've humiliated myself. Remember one time I let the Lord down. I, got, I let my flesh get the best of me, and I said something that I was ashamed of in church right before a morning service. Boy, was I upset with myself. And that night, I didn't want to go back to church. Honestly, I was so embarrassed that I had let my pastor down. I'd let my, my church down because I had said something that was totally out of turn. But I had to bring myself together and get dressed. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I apologize to the person I said that to. I apologize to the preacher. Don't wallow in self-pity when you fail. Get right with God. Do what David did. He humbled himself, and he got right with God. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you could say you got, got, got right with God? When did God say, hey, you're the man? You're the woman. You need to get right with him. It's good to get right with God. It will only happen when you get humble before the Lord. 
Can you remember a time when God told you that you were the man and by way of salvation? I need to get saved. I sinned against the Lord. I need to receive the Lord by faith. If there's somebody here today who's lost, the, the point of the message is not that you'd stay lost. As one of God's messengers, as a preacher of the Word of God, as a minister of the gospel, I want everybody to get saved. I invite everyone to get saved. It's a glorious thing, salvation. It'll put a new song in your mouth. It'll put your feet on the solid rock. He'll take you out of the miry clay. He'll, put, he'll, he'll do things in your heart that only God can do. I mean, salvation is a wonderful thing. If you don't have it, you need to have it. You ought to desire to have it. There could be somebody here today, you know, all these sermons that I preach, you really think in this day of Facebook and Instagram and, 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 and TikTok and all this garbage that goes across the phones of people that we don't have people in the Lord's church that need to repent? You really think we have people that are around here that don't have a problem with some things that they look at who need to get right with God? Maybe God's knocking on your heart's door today and say, hey, when's the last time you said, hey, Lord, I'm sorry for doing this stuff. Help me to get free of this. Forgive me. You say, wait a second, my sins are forgiven. By way of position, yes, but way of fellowship, no. You have to maintain fellowship with the Lord. The Bible does tell Christians to confess their sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was the verse written to Christians, to believers. That means people who've been saved still are required to confess their sins to the Lord. David said in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Our fellowship can be broken with the Lord. As God told you that you're the man, follow the example of David and get right with God. Don't be like Ahab and Jezebel. Don't be like, don't be, don't be like uh, Herod and his family. Herodias and all that, that crowd. Don't be like them and reject the Lord. Follow the Lord and get right with Him. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're preparing to have this verse of invitation. You know, we're going to sing a song called Have Thine Own Way. And this song says, Thou art the potter and I am the clay. You know what a potter does with clay? He heats it up. He starts molding it. He starts throwing away the bad parts of that clay, and he'll make a vessel that's built for him, that's, that's fit for him, the, the potter will. And could you say that along with the songwriter today? Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. You're the potter, Lord. I'm the clay. Take from me what needs to be taken. Somebody, if the Lord's spoken to you today, you don't need to worry about what time it is. You just need to come. You need to come and do business with God. Brother Earl's going to sing this first verse alone with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The Lord spoke to you. You can come. If you need to pray for someone, something.
Amen. At this time, I'd love for Miss Camille and her children to come down to the front along with Miss Yvonne Manuel. Come down right in front of this little table down here. Come on down front. We're going to all greet you. This is what we call extending the right hand of Christian fellowship. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, come down and shake these folks' hand. You're a member of the church. These are new members of the Lord's church, and we want you to be friend to them. You know, I know that many people have already developed close relationships with the Marshall family, and we look forward to getting to know Sister Yvonne even better. And uh, her, she's already forged good relationships with our office and our office staff, Miss Michelle, Miss Danette, and Miss Sarah. Uh, but all you other ladies, you know, uh, it's okay for you to get to know this dear sister. She came all the way from Haiti to come to the Metropolitan Baptist Church. Aren't you thankful that God opened the door for her to come here? And so we're going to pray. We'll be dismissed. Brother Earl, come on to the pulpit. It, pray our dismissal prayer and uh, come on and reach around and shake hands with these new folks. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you just now, Lord, thanking you and praising you for your many blessings, dear God. We thank you for this family and this young sister that came to uh, join this morning and were baptized, Lord. We're so thankful for their faith that they put in, uh, put faith and trust in you, Lord. And God, we just... Uh, just pray that we can be a blessing to them as we know they'll be and have already have been a blessing to us. And God, may you just be with them, Lord, guide them, Lord, be their, their stay and their assurance uh, through this path of life. Lord, God, we thank you for all those that have come today. Pray that you just send a special blessing to them for making that effort to come today. And Lord, may you just watch over us, lead God and direct us, Father. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.